Hey, everybody. Welcome to Frankenstein's podcast, where it's all about the monster. We discuss all kinds of fictional monsters, creatures, and beasts, from the alien to the mythological and supernatural, and possibly robot someday, from all corners of pop culture. Hi, everybody. I'm Joe Prasco, one of your hosts. And I'm Khalid, one of your other hosts. Hey, other host. Hey, first host. Hey, guess why I'm smiling, Khalid? Uh, because you thought of something really nice? Uh, yeah. It ha- it's because it's your birthday. Happy birthday, Khalid. Aw, thank you so much, Joe. It is my birthday, and it's been a great day. I'm just really impressed that you remembered the day this time. Uh, I didn't remember the day. I had to have somebody come up to me and be like, do you know what day it is? And I was like, no, stranger. And they were like, why? It's your birthday. And then there was a whole musical number. I don't want to get into it. That's not what this podcast is about. But just to answer your question, no, I did not know it was my birthday. Uh, That's a nice story, Khalid. Uh, What'd you do for your birthday? I, uh, I, I, dude, you're not even going to believe this. Like, it was so wild. Do you know what I did for my birthday? I uh, cleaned no. out my bedroom. It was so cathartic. I full on Marie Kondo'd it. Like, I tossed out stuff that I just had sitting in here for years that I was not touching. It felt so good. I am entering my 30s or my early 30s very grace- gracefully. If I do say so myself. Well, you are a graceful creature, Khalid. That's how I describe myself. I actually introduce myself as such. So thank you for reinforcing that. Speaking of graceful things, Khalid, we have a great guest with us today. Oh, do we? Yeah, we do. We have all the way from Los Angeles, where you are also, Khalid. So not that far for you, I guess. Uh, Joel Brewster. (laughs) Joel Brewster, who runs the West Coast Strange website, fan of sci-fi horror screenwriter of short films and all around awesome dude to join us joel welcome hi there welcome guys thanks so much for having me how's it going joel going well it's going well uh just uh one thing i'm from canada but you know uh, you're in canada i am i'm in canada (laughs) uh i I thought you were in la but yeah i was like i want to be los angeles but yeah i'll be canada you're in canada okay we're in canada uh, Victoria, British Columbia. It's right outside of Vancouver. It's where the Royals stayed for a very short period before they moved to America, where uh, Megan and Harry were here for a bit. That's about it. Why did I think you're in LA? The time, I'm assuming, because we're on the same time as, uh, um, yeah, as LA. Oh, oh. Okay. I didn't realize yeah. that. Uh, I was, I was making that was a connection. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, oh my God, you're like in a totally different country. How's it going? <laughs> There's a lot of like, we're very much like California as far as um, attitudes towards a lot of stuff here. So I'd say it's, it's close. It's close. Very West Coast that way. Joel, congratulations on being our first international guest by accident. Ooh, I'm very excited. Thank you so much. Yeah, this is is huge. we We had an international guest, but you're our first international guest by accident. I love it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Joel, I, I'm I'm interested in in some of your uh, your your short film uh, screenwriting. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I've written some short films in the past. Uh, most notable, one of them, uh, "The Man in the Rabbit Mask," was a short film that I've been trying to turn into a feature for some time, and hopefully, we'll be able to. 
And I'm a really big fan of just lore in general. So I've just been trying to write my own monsters to hopefully be your first guest with the feature film on here to talk about my monster. It's my goal now. So that's where I'm I'm aiming. But yeah, I I write um, what I like to call like Pacific Northwest horrors. So I just like to write movies that kind of take place in this sort of area and monsters in that retrospect. So that's kind of what I do for short and feature films, really. That's awesome. So anyone listening, go check out on the West Coast Strange website, westcoaststrange.com. There's links to the films. So you've listened before, Joel. I know you're a little bit aware of how this podcast goes. We have a couple guest questions for you to, since this is your first time joining us. Uh, are you ready? I am so ready. Awesome. All right. Well, first question is a, is a two-parter. Okay. Any corner of pop culture, Okay. what's your favorite monster? And if it's not the same, what's the scariest monster to you? Okay. So I came prepared. So I do have a favorite monster, and then I do have like this. what's scariest. So they are separate. So my favorite monster is uh, Topsy and Bobsy from Lovecraft Country. They like the the two twins in there. I'm not sure how. Yes. Yes. Guys, yeah. Those were. Oh, that's my new. Now. Yeah. They've just they just knocked off the top spot before. Now they're just that's my favorite monster. Everything about that episode was really cool, and they were just a horrifying thing. You just couldn't really escape. And then um, my actual what I think is the scariest monster is Art the Clown from the movie Terrifier because. He's a complete slasher monster, but at the same time had uh, a couple twists that I don't want to have as spoilers. But yeah, I think he's one of the scariest. Cool choices. My wife and I just finished Lovecraft Country, and we uh, we disagreed on that episode. She didn't love Topsy and Bopsy, but they freaked me out hard. I don't I don't know what about them just like got me. I was just like ah every time. Yeah, they were, it was the score killed me, but also they reminded me of the monster from It Follows. But just the way that they just moved and everything was just absolutely terrifying. I got to take your wife's side, Joe. They reminded me kind of just like TikTok dancers. Um, <laughs> really? Oh, they scared yeah. me. I they was got like, me. Oh, I don't yeah. Know. I, could, I could see them doing those moves in front of a like, cell phone in the bathroom and going viral. With that being said, I could completely see that being like a TikTok challenge. I'm surprised it didn't happen. The Topsy Mopsy challenge? I could see that happening now that we, you know, after this podcast, I'm sure it will be a challenge now. We are influencers. Never say never, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, second question, I guess third, second and a half. I don't know. We'll go with second question. Okay. Um, so what what would you say is sort of like uh, your defining geek traits? Like what uh, what are you obsessed with? What makes you geeky? What's your favorite like franchises or your your nerdy passions or what have you? Okay, I've got a couple of things that make me geeky. I'd say that um, number one, I'm a like a horror enthusiast, but outside of that, I'm a DC Comics nerd, which is rare now because a lot of people have just obviously switched tomorrow for the MCU and such. But I'm a big DC fan, and then I've got one last one that's really weird. I'm a tarantula hobbyist, so I own three tarantulas, which I think is pretty geeky. Wow, Are, do you, do they have names? I do. Yeah, they do have names. Itsy Bitsy. Adriana Lima and Aragog are my three tarantulas. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so we've called Adriana Adrian now because we found it recently. Or my wife and I found it recently that it's actually male. So it's Adrian Lima, I guess. What got you into tarantula collecting, I guess? I always liked spiders growing up, like always, but I never thought I would own a tarantula. I didn't, and then my wife bought me a tarantula for my birthday years ago. And that one uh, passed away a couple of years or she bought it years ago. Then it passed away like two years ago now. And um, after that, I just wanted to get more. So I got ended up getting three more. And that tarantula's name was John Snow. Rest in peace. 
Oh. I mean, he might uh, come back if that's yeah, his name. Exactly. It's buried yeah. somewhere, so I'll come back. <laughs> How like chill are they? I've heard tranches are really chill and they'll just like walk over your hand and they're they're really like pleasant and nice. Like what's it like to to have a tarantula? Yeah, so I'm one of those hobbyists that doesn't handle mine, but at the same time, yeah, they are really okay. chill. I have one that um one that's not Adrian is I don't like because I have to spray their tanks. It's like owning a plant. But um mm-hmm. yeah, that one's kicked hairs me, which is what tarantulas do. They kick hairs as, as a defense. But oh. they didn't get me which is good and yeah outside of that they're like really it's like owning a rock they don't really <laughs> do too much at all well thanks for answering those questions joel yeah you're very welcome um should we uh should we jump into the movie yep very excited khalid khalid we're all feeling a little festive right now do you want to you want to tell everyone what we're what we're chatting about oh yeah guys it's the reason for the season we're talking about everyone's favorite christmas movie the 2015 film directed by michael doherty called krampus we got a little uh description from our homeboy google and it goes a little something like this while the holiday season represents the most magical time of year ancient european folklore warns of krampus a horned beast who punishes naughty children at christmas time when dysfunctional family squabbling causes young Max to lose his festive spirit, it unleashes the wrath of the fearsome demon. As Krampus lays siege to the Engel home, mom, pop, sister, and brother must band together to save one another from a monstrous fate. What a monster. That creature's the abstract level of potential energy. It's alive! So, uh, what'd you guys think of the movie? Uh, Joel, you want to go first? I think you, you kind of asked us about this, I think, a while ago, which is why uh, we wanted you to come on the podcast. You're asking if we're going to do this one, but uh, I think you have some background with this. What do you What do you think of it? Yeah, I watch this movie every year for Christmas, so I really was hoping you would cover this because uh, I've told you guys, um, I've, I posted about um, your podcast, obviously. It's my favorite podcast. So I was very hoping that this would be one of the ones you'd cover because I like your guys' insights on the monster. Um, I like this one for the big reason that it's, it's a, like a poppy sort of horror comedy, but at the same time it, well, spoilers, it's bleak at the end. And I like that little mix of how it nails that. So I was hoping that we'd be covered for that reason. It's just a big mix of good, I think. And I watch it every year for Christmas, watch it this year again. I love that. This is like your, uh, your Christmas, like tradition film. Yeah. We have four of them that we watch every year. And this is like one of the staples we have to do. Can I ask what the other three are? Uh, yeah, Gremlins, uh, good, Better Watch Out, and Anna and the Apocalypse. Oh, wow. Interesting choices. I like it. I like it. Our, our one that we do every year is Muppet Christmas Carol. That's nice. the normal one. Yeah, which is I've watched for like since I was a kid. Khalid, what do you think of this movie? Uh, I liked it. I think that um, the way I would describe it is like a well-produced Goosebumps episode. Uh, it was super entertaining but like especially like that kind of like dour ending and stuff like that uh i do i guess if i had one caveat i do wish that it was like rated r just so that we could like really get into the nitty-gritty of what krampus would do to these people if he had a say in it but i don't know uh totally and stuff like that i when the movie first came out i think like i'd heard of it and i saw the trailers but I just couldn't get over like Adam Scott being in a Christmas horror movie. It was just too much. So I never really gave it the time of day at that point. But 
I'm glad that I finally had a reason to sit down and watch it. It was uh, it was fun. It was weird. Uh, they really went for this very specific theme of like I guess just murderous Santa Claus. Uh, they 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 really they really like dove into what that would mean for people. So that was cool. And yeah, I don't know. It was an enjoyable time. Definitely definitely didn't like regret watching it same i uh i think when i first saw the trailers for this i i i've always been an adam scott fan so i was sort of into it at the time when i first saw the trailer but i i thought it was going to be like really like kitschy and 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 not i i don't know how to i was i just was not grabbed by the initial trailer so i actually never watched it until last night it was my first time seeing this and and i really liked it like i liked that i didn't know what was going to happen like i my first thought was I don't know what I don't know what kind of movie this wants to be. So either nobody's going to die or everybody's going to die was my thought. And I guess that in a sense, it's almost like both of that kind of happened. I, I don't know. Right. I, I, we'll get the spoilers, <laughs> but but it's like it, 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 it just takes you in some interesting directions. Like I, I was very surprised at a lot of things that happened. And I and I liked the tone. Um, I like the cast. Like the cast was great. Like it's a bunch of comedians, but I think they all did really good. Like Tony Collette specifically was was phenomenal as she is in everything. But um, oh, the monsters, Tony yeah. Collette. I cannot say enough for that woman. She is she, amazing. Truly. She was like the reason I wanted to watch the movie originally from the trailer. I was like, Tony Collette's in it. I'll watch it because I'll watch anything she's in, no matter the I year. Feel like were, I feel like this is like the height of like Adam Scott's powers because of Parks and Rec and whatnot. So like they really pushed him in the trailer versus Tony Collette, which would have yeah. been the obvious draw. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's a, it's an interesting movie. Do you uh do you guys think that uh I mean I've, you both liked it, but do you think the comedy horror blend worked pretty well in this case? I know I know there's places where like movies where it's not done very well or it's kind of a risky game sometimes to play, but do you think that was a that was a good element to this? I think it worked out, but it seemed like now that you guys made me think about it a little more just right now. It felt like a studio choice. It it felt like the script could have went either way like Khalid was saying that it just it did feel like it was a it almost feels like a last minute studio choice now looking back in it in my mind. Cause I just watched it again today, but yeah, I thought it worked for this movie at least. I think, uh, I think the comedy and the horror like ultimately achieved a balance. I will say that I really spent like the first 30 minutes of this movie, just unsure of what we were going to get. Um, especially I, I didn't know if it was R or PG 13. I kind of want to just be surprised by that fact. When it turned out to be PG-13, like the amount of comedy made more sense, I guess, just to kind of curb whatever expectations you would have for like, like ultra violence. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that um, it, I, I wasn't like, it wasn't jarring or anything when it went from horror, like comedy to horror, which is always a good thing. I think if it's like a seamless transition, that's better than not. But yeah, I mean, I just, I, I ultimately just wish that it was like more horrific, but I, I don't know if that would have like messed up the chemistry that they'd like achieved here with the comedy. I think the the comedy element and 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 that coupled with the PG thirteen piece like kept a little bit of the dread down a bit, and like for better or for worse, like like I just remember thinking the 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 scene after. Like when I think the the character Beth, the like Adam Scott and Tony Collette's daughter died under the under the van when she was being stalked by Krampus, I was like, is this going to be a movie that kills every kills people? Like, is this going to be like a like a really like like go all out kind of movie where people die? I wasn't sure because it was it felt very family esque at first, and then and then after she's killed, like 
I think that if this movie was R rated or less of a comedy, like that would have been so much more devastating to the family. Like, um, they, they, they didn't, I, I don't feel like some of the, some of the stakes of like the deaths didn't feel as high to me because of the comedy elements, I think. Um, so like, like, like they're, I mean, they're of course taking it seriously and they went out to find her, but I feel like, like I'm thinking of like, if I was my kid, I'd be like, I'm just, I'm done. Like I'm going out there and I'm not coming back. I'm going to find her or. Yeah. Die. That was like a little too you know? much for me to overcome too. It's like, yeah, I, I think that that was the problem too, is like they immediately went to like, one of their children is the first victim, not not say like a neighbor or I thought that it was going to be the delivery guy. I thought that was good, which technically it was the first victim. <laughs> technically it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that they needed a few less like consequential characters to be victims first for for the progression that they were going for to make any sense because yeah as soon as you make it like a, a child of one of the main characters like what are we talking about anymore what is that they, they need to be spending the entire movie focused on that yeah and i think with the comedic element one thing that was lost is that when they'd come back after the dad and um, the uncle had come back after he had his leg torn by something in the snow. And then the grandmother tells the Krampus story with that awesome animation, which I really did like mm. that when she tells that story, he was still like, Oh, I don't believe that at all. Like you just got attacked in the snow by something like that was like, obviously not you know, natural. And you've saw, you've seen a bunch of different crazy things so far and he didn't believe it at all. I thought that was really more of the comedic element coming in as opposed to if it was a more darker horror movie, they would have just, believed and been a lot more scared by that point that's a good point yeah they, they might be just it might be this the director kind of playing with tropes right where it's like confronted with obvious evidence that it's supernatural everyone chooses to just be like nah that's not true until you're convinced the very last moment and that could be like leaning into that sort of like almost more comedic satirical element um i but i was thinking like like you were saying khalid about like being devastated about losing the daughter like it reminds me of like like Tony Collette, like as a, as an actress, like her reaction to like losing her kid in this one versus her reaction to losing a kid in Hereditary, like how like palpable and like horrific that was, like in that in that movie. Yeah. But that's like so much of a more serious, like dreadful take on it. And this is like definitely not that. So it's it's kind of interesting to like almost I, I don't know what the word juxtapose those two. You know, I mean, this movie's definitely just got its priorities like uh, in a, in a certain order right now. Um, I would say just because like it doesn't it feels very like very much like the like plot over any kind of logical co- uh, character motivation for a lot of the movie. Like the David Keckner guy, it's just uh, the, uh, the the uncle for whoever doesn't know the actor's name. It's uh he was weird to me because he seemed like the kind of guy that as soon as anything is like as apparently messed up as the situation that they're in, it feels like he would have taken charge a lot more than he did. It was. He, 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 like, went back and forth between, like, being, like, cartoonishly, like, conservative and, like, gun enthusiasty and, like, I'm ready to do whatever to, like, immediately, like, seceding to, like, the circumstances just to let them, like, unfold the way that movie needed it to, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right, yeah. And I was say one thing now that you brought up his like how much of a conservative almost stereotype he was. It was interesting to watch this movie this year with everything political being like so um, polarized, I should say, because it felt like they just pushed both the parents into like separate tropes of being like the I, I didn't really catch the the political aspects of this until this year of uh, watching it. 
where they pushed them of being like uh, making fun of each other for being um, what either political affiliations. And like this year is a kind of um, obviously pointed out a lot more to me than the previous years where I just didn't notice that. I yeah, mean, this is from pretty... 2015 to think about. This is from 2015 to think about that too. That's a it's like five years ago. But yeah, that, that yeah, does feel. Like, like, he was driving a Hummer in 2015, which is insane. Like even <laughs> then, that is that is an aggressive move. It's because because like Hummers like came to Providence like when like we were all in like high school, middle school, like 20, like 10, 20 or 2008, 2007. Like so, like by 2015, to still have a Hummer is insane. And bringing guns to Christmas too, and being, and the whole sh- and the whole shot he took at Adam Scott's character is like, yeah, that when he's like, oh, this gun's heavy. It's like, yeah, that's my wife's. Jeez. She was a very specific uh, stereotype of this. Yeah, or like when they were, they were like, what is it? And he's like, probably terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, and the dinner scene felt real though. Like, even though they were kind of caricatures, but like I was like, that ah, the, the awkwardness of that family dinner did kind of feel realistic. Yeah, yeah, that was good. I think the family dynamic stuff is all on point. It's pitch perfect. And I mean, I don't think I'm the only one that picked up on this, but let me know. Like I got big home alone vibes in that regard. Yes. It's so much about like, cause like, I think that's like the like thing that nobody ever really gives credit to home alone for is just so deftly understanding why the holidays can be such a stressful, like annoying time for some people where it's like, yeah, okay, I get it. They're my family and I'm supposed to love them, but they're also people with their own like lives and interests and, and priorities and that can make them suck to me. You know what I mean? Like it can be a very crappy time to be like stuck in a room full of people that like you don't necessarily agree with or get along with. And especially like if it's like a time of year that you're supposed to be happy, which is like so jarring and this this kid's problem is like so universal in that way. I think it works in the same way that Kevin McAllister's worked all those years ago. Yeah. And it was interesting to watch his, watch everyone at that table, let him get bullied and have that letter read out that he didn't want to be read out. And his sister's like, no, knock it off. Don't reach across the table. And he reads out the saddest Christmas letter I've ever heard about wanting his family to be together. And no one really started. And no boy, not even the kid reading it, which is like, okay, fine. It's a kid that, like, is a little too old to believe in Santa. I get that. But he's not asking him for, like, a PlayStation 5. He's asking for, like, his parents to be happy again. What are you doing? Yeah, and, like, nobody stopped it. I was like, please, someone help this kid out. Even though I've seen it, like, a couple times now, I'm still like, oh, every time that part always hurts me. I'm like, oh, that poor kid. And and then from there, it just, yeah, goes from bad to worse for him. I did, like... uh, Coming, coming, circling back to like how this could have been an R-rated, less comic comic movie. I like that for being like a holiday movie. Like it is still still grounded in being kind of fun, right? Like, like I think Joel, for for you, like or for me, if I if I were to make this like a staple of like a yearly holiday tradition to watch, like it's more fun to watch because of the comedy and cheesy, campy elements of it. Like I, I think that would add to like a more like rewatchability for it for me. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And uh, this year was different because I watched it with my mom which is uh, a person, my mom does not like horror movies. So I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's a comedy. It's got comedy elements to it. You'll, you'll like it. And she liked it right up until the final frame when she realized that it didn't really work out for everyone. And then she was a lot less enthused about the movie. And it was funny because I was watching her get that reaction, right? To see how she'd react to it. And then 
like she like she's like this is a great Christmas movie right up until the last scene, and then she's like, I'm never watching this again. But I, I love it. I watch it every year, and it's just I, I love it. Yeah, it's kind of like when you think about it, it's almost kind of like an it's a Wonderful Life like horror version, right? Like, cause I mean, like a sort of almost like a tour of like if your if your if your wish came through came true from in the worst ways possible, you know, but like also Christmas themed. Yeah, very monkey paw that way that he yeah. wished for the perfect Christmas and he just gets ends up getting the perfect Christmas. But I guess forever, it's really vague and left on that on. I guess they're just in that globe celebrating Christmas every day. OK, let's go. OK, let's go to the ending. So like it's clear by now there are spoilers in this podcast, but um, uh, that ending, I actually thought it was more ambiguous than than maybe you might be implying. So, Joel, tell me your take on the ending. My take on the ending is that they're in in the underworld and they're celebrating Christmas every day in a globe in a snow globe. And that Krampus has done this to countless other people. He's pretty much like um, Brainiac from uh, the DC universe capturing worlds, but they're just like families and he put them in snow globes for his underworld collection. But that's how I saw it. Then I'd love to hear your guys's how you saw this ending. So kind of like groundhog day, right? They're reliving it every day kind of thing. Yeah. It seems that way to me at least. Okay. And that was, and they woke up and that was the first day of really, cause they were just like, Oh, what, what this is, was, do you think like that was out like them, like remembering the sounds of last night? Was that them realizing that we've done this many times? Or are you saying that was like the first day that they woke up? I thought it was the first day, but now that you said that maybe, and now I'm rethinking that it could be like, they could have been doing this for several times, but yeah, I thought it was the first day of him waking up. Well, one thing that I thought was really scary about this, I, that I didn't catch previously was that Krampus laughed at that kid right before he um, throws him in. And it made it seem like right that he was going to listen to him, that he was having some empathy for him. And then he laughs at him. And I don't know why I didn't remember that all the other times I've seen it. But that was that was like one of the scarier parts of me in the movie, that he laughs at him and then throws him into the underworld. Yeah, that was messed up. <laughs> oh, yeah, that laugh was, yeah, that stuck with me. That was pretty mean. I was like, oh, man, is this kid really going to, turn this monster's heart and like somehow win his family back is this really gonna end okay and nope no no this is not that kind of movie uh khalid do you have a take on the ending or do you think the same thing as joel um i don't know it's interesting that you say that like this whole thing was already a simulation of like the hell the hellscape scenario that they like are subjected to at the end I like that better than what I thought it was, which is what I, I thought it was like Joe's ending where it's or not Joe, Joel's ending <laughs> where it's y'all, y'all's days are too much. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I thought it was like what Joel was saying, where this, where the, the, the time that we see at the end is technically the first time that they're going through it all. Uh, I don't know. I think that has to be the way that it goes though, because it's, it's a different beginning than the beginning of the movie. The beginning of the movie is like we see the day before Christmas where the kid gets into a fight with a bully because that bully tried to expose Santa Claus as a fraud. And then like the family comes in and stuff like that. We don't see all of that in the snow globe. We just see like an actually a better Christmas morning than they had where it's like idyllic. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it'd be too bad to relive that day. Yeah, no. that was what I was confused about too. Like, how is it, is this hell or is it like I just like ironic that like the wish that he asked for is actually like it's horrifying to us on the outside, but like he kind of technically gets what he asked for. 
Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I, I thought it was sc- another scary moment is when their faces, when they all realize what's happened and it just plays back all their thoughts of what they said before throughout the movie. That part was scary too. And the concept that a baby is going to be stuck in there forever as a baby and the dog too. Oh, well, the whole family, but like the baby being stuck there forever. I was like, That's pretty scary. Yeah, it's like depressing. Yeah, no one was saved. <laughs> So I I actually thought that there could be another interpretation that's a happy ending. What is the happy ending? So they wake up in the morning and he's got his family back, right? And they all kind of come to the realization that they remember what happened, right? So I was yeah, thinking Yeah, we that, saw that on all their faces that they definitely yeah, like remember. I, I like that. And that's horrific in a sense, but also like when it zooms out to the the snow globe, like we also saw before it zooms out like the, the, like the world exists around them, right? You're like, like you still, they, they, they're not like in a sphere, like physically, right? Yeah. So, like, I almost thought that maybe the snow globe was like an observation tool, right? Like, he, he like, he, he, like, like Krampus maybe did grant the wish, like, you're, you're back to normal, but I'm going to be watching kind of thing. So, he just like subjects them to a surveillance state. That's the kind of like, that's what, I, that's what I was wondering. Like, maybe it's oh. like, you know, cause like you better not wa- shout, you better not shout, like watching you kind of like attitude, like, oh, like you better now you're sort of, never complain about your family again. Yeah. Like now, now you're kind of like on like, on like watch. Cause like I already came once sort of thing. Like it almost, you know, it could be like that. Like maybe oh. he's, that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it totally could be. And that would be a way happier ending than him putting them in small worlds. Like I said, like Brainiac and just leave them in encounters with everything else. But if you that, could tell your mom that's the ending, and maybe she'll I'm, watch it. I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to. She's going to podcast and hear everything else. But I'm definitely going to tell her that's the ending when I speak to her next. Yeah, I don't. know. I almost kind of like a happy ending because because it was like that that sort of campy silly vibe. I don't know, but I, I could kind of see both. Like it, it, I like that it's ambiguous though. Um, I, I kind of like it. I like that we were able to debate it. Yeah, and it's probably for a Christmas movie. It needed a happier ending, but I think because it didn't have one, that's. What is this is going to make me sound like a like, like I'm um, just a Grinch, but because it didn't seem like it had a happy ending, I was a little more excited. I was like, I didn't see that coming. If it was the um, the darker ending, I'm like, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think yours is a. I, I like your idea because it. I can look at it both ways now. Now I can tell people that want the happier ending that that's what happened. But for me, I guess being a Grinch, that um, the sad <laughs> ending worked. Okay, side note, quickly. Is a gr- is the Grinch a monster? Yes. Oof. He's either a monster or just like, I guess, like a different race than the Whoville people. I think the person who's singing the song about him being a mean one is probably the biggest monster of the whole thing. Cause he's I agree. The whole time. Guys, is the Grinch black? <laughs> <laughs> he's still one black person in Whoville? That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what I'm telling everybody now. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sorry about that detour, but I was curious. A lot to think about. Yeah. yeah I know. I'm like, I'm contemplating Grinch now. Yeah. Well, we got like, we got an ambiguous ending and is a Grinch a monster? We got a lot to, lot to chew on in this episode here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I like it. I like, I like though. I like, uh, I like that we're able to like kind of disagree on the ending and I, and I hope we, I didn't ruin it for you, Joel, if you like the darker ending. <laughs> no, you didn't at all. Actually, it really expands on it. Now I'm going to think about it more. Because yeah. before I thought it was pretty cut and dry, but now that you said that, I'm like, oh, well. And next year when I watch it too, I'll just definitely have to think of both endings. Yeah. Which one was your uh, Which one was your favorite cousin? Your favorite cousin? Yeah, which one was your favorite cousin of the three? 
or I guess four. Uh, uh, the Augustus. That's that yeah. The- is he literally named Augustus, like the kid from Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Uh, like Augustus no, it's how it's how it's Howie Howie Junior. Howie, Howie Junior. Yeah, the one I kept thinking of is Augustus, though. Yeah, because of because of Willy Wonka. Yeah, <laughs> he does look like Augustus. That's awesome. Yeah, and then like just drawn to the the little like like gingerbread man monster in the thing, like kind of like the so chocolate river scene. <laughs> Like he just wanted to eat a gingerbread cookie that was dangling from a chimney so bad. <laughs> right. And he has no words of dialogue the whole movie, which I didn't catch till this time. Like he doesn't say a single word the whole movie. It would have ruined the mystique. He's perfect yeah. now. He never said anything. <laughs> I like when the aunt gives him booze. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rest in that actress, by the way. She passed away this year, maybe a month ago. Her name? Oh, yeah, very really? recently, yeah. yeah. Oh, she was great. She had my wife's favorite line that she texted to you, Khalid. Remember that? Oh, yeah. I haven't been this hungover since the Pope died. <laughs> yeah, that was Nikki's favorite part. I'm getting that, cro- <laughs> I'm getting that crocheted. <laughs> she also had the one F-bomb, and it was a well-used F-bomb for a PG-13 movie, I thought. Oh, it absolutely was. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what was it again? When did she use it? Uh, it's when the grandmother says something in German to her, and she said, uh, we're fucked. So oh, yeah. That was that was a great moment. Interesting choice for the grandmother to speak German to everybody and everyone just responds back in English. But I, I liked it. I liked the way that they did that. And I liked how they did the subtitles sometimes was what I was, what was going with this. I enjoyed how they like sometimes there were subtitles for her and other times I it was just translated and I liked how they did that. Yeah, they did that like Star Wars thing where it's like an alien language, but like you just like know you you just know what they're saying based on responses. Yeah. Do you guys like the the interlude with her backstory? I really like that animation. I loved it. That was one of my favorite sequences in the movie. That was so cool and so like like beautiful and well done, like fairy tale esque. It was like like for those of you listening who haven't watched it, like there's this interlude that's the backstory of the grandmother in 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 Germany when she first encounters Krampus as a young girl, and it's uh, it's all in this animated style that's kind of like evocative of the like kind of like those Tim Burton, like stop motion animation movies, like nightmare before Christmas or something like that. Yeah. And I got Coraline vibes. Coraline. Yeah. And yeah. it's just so cool. Like it's so like, it feels more fairy tale esque, but still like, like, you know, one step firmly in the horror and how it was placed in there reminded me, and this is a weird thing to kind of connect to, but it reminded me of, uh, in kill bill with the Ishii story when they did that animation, that, that anime section in that movie to tell you. Oh, back yeah. 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 It kind of reminded me of like, it was that well-placed. I thought um, of an animation in there. Cause it just was unexpected the first time I saw it. And I love it every time I do see it. I'm just into it when movies have like animated interludes. Like, I think that's just like a really cool, like, tr- like, I don't know why I would say the word trope, but like thing that I'm just going to be sold on. I just decided that now I'm all, I'm just going to be into that whenever it happens. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Yeah, should we jump into monsters? Oh yeah, let's do it. So uh, the 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 titular monster of the movie is of course Krampus, but this movie is not lacking in monsters. There are there are there are certainly countless monsters in this movie. Well, I could count them, but there's a lot of monsters. Um, but the cool thing about I think I don't know if you guys agree with me is like the majority of these were practical effects, with just like a little digital enhancements to kind of like 
put on the finishing touches. So like Krampus himself was a costume. The elves were costumes. The Jack in the box monster was mostly practical. Um, and, and Mike Doherty, I saw, I was reading an interview with him said that, uh, he has kind of had the philosophy of like, try to get as much as you can on camera and then use computers when necessary. Sort of like, I think, uh, like Cornish said the same thing back with attack the block when we did that episode, which was kind of cool. Um, but, uh, he also, has I also have another quote from him where he talks about how some of the actors didn't know or like the actors in general didn't know what some of the like creature designs were going to look like. So like the, the costumes and some of the like props and like, like some were animatronics, animatronics, some were props, some were puppets. So like the actors didn't know when some of those were going to look like they knew they were going to come out. So he kind of mentions how he took like a cue from like Ridley Scott with that chest burster scene where the actors didn't know what the, the chest burster was going to look like an alien. And, uh, so like some of the moments of like shock and horror were like kind of genuine, which I thought was super cool. And it's just some, something cool you could do with those practical effects that, that you can't always do with CGI. So, uh, but what do you guys think of the effects in general, like the monster creature effects? Um, I like the practical stuff more like uh, just seeing like the cool, like robe hanging off of Krampus. What uh, my favorite was actually the Krampus introduction when he's going after the sister, that first scene where we see him and he's yeah. leaping from like rooftop to rooftop. I think that was like the promise of what this thing could do to them based on that introduction was like super exciting. And usually with these movies, they like to really like, uh, especially at the beginning, be very sparing with what you see of the creature, but being able to see Krampus do all of that before he got into the actual like mayhem of the movie was so fun. And like, I was very glued to those scenes. Yeah. I thought Krampus as well as like all the, and I love that scene too. I was, yeah, that's such a scare. It just showed you how powerful Krampus is the whole thing too, just right off the go there. But I thought all the monsters were so well done. I thought they did a really good job of mixing uh, the CGI in there Um, because the uh, gingerbread men were really, really, really cool for CGI. And then that flying doll winged thing was was a horrifying, weird creature that I I don't even know, really know what to call it. Like the baby wing thing that attacked them in the the attic. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was that was terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought they did a really good mix of of both there, but. Yeah, that whole attic scene outside of the roof jumping scene, which is probably my favorite too. That attic scene where they fight like all the toys from the bag was was great too. <laughs> He's like bear, what bear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. That was good. Um, the the roof jumping scene in the beginning with Krampus, I think uh, Doherty said is the one is the only part where they use CGI to to like. Um, uh, digitally show Krampus. Otherwise, it was always uh, practical as a suit. Uh, other than the tongue, the tongue was digital. Also, yeah, there was a couple of long-tongued monsters in this one. They're really big on the tongue stuff. Yeah, they also had the the Jack in the Box with like the opening mouth, like the sort of like I don't know, like flowery opening mouth thing. Yeah, like Blade, um, Ryan Blade too. Yeah, oh, that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, the super vampires or whatever. Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite monster? Uh, Krampus aside, favorite creature of the the bunch? Probably the gingerbread man. They had fun. They had fun with it. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to go with that winged um, uh, baby thing because that thing was really, really weird. Mm. I, I will say, though, of all the monsters I've seen in horror movies thinking about it, I think Krampus and his group there might be the most overpowered. I don't think they stood a chance whatsoever. There was nothing really... 
that seemed to phase them. That seems like he was able to, they were able to take out the small ones, but Krampus and the elves could have just walked in at any time. Oh yeah. yeah. They were so screwed. Like that scene where they all were like surrounded the first time we see the elves and then just like randomly stop, even though they have everyone right where they want them. Yeah. That was weird. Like it made me think, I was like, is he just playing with them this whole time? And then when he laughed at the end, I was like, I guess he is just playing with them this whole time. Like they didn't really stand a chance. I suppose this whole time. Yeah. No. Yeah. They had no shot like the, the elves. Yeah. Uh, I can't, I feel like my favorite creature. I can't, I, it's hard to decide. Like I kind of want to go with the, the angel thing too, Joel, like you, but I, I think I might also give a, give a little props to the bear. I thought the bear was great with the, 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 the sharp teeth. Yeah. And green blood for some reason. Yeah. That was, that was goofy. Yeah. I kind of liked the, I did kind of like the Jack in the box, the giant Jack in the box thing. Although like it wasn't a very good monster. Cause like it was super slow and kind of like, it was only, it was only like they were, they were kicking its ass except for when the elves showed up. Like that was the only reason that thing survived. It got taken down by the dog. Yeah. Getting beaten up by the dog in a dark attic. Was that funny to anybody else? Just like that, like unbroken 45 seconds of just like, <laughs> People watching a ceiling. Like, that, was, <laughs> that was the scene. Yeah. That was so funny to me. And I don't really understand. Did the dog crawl up the space? Because it was up, like, it was a floor above them. So did the dog crawl up to get to them? Get it's to it? It's pretty screwed up, honestly. Like, I'm sorry. Like, call me, like, a radical. But any problem that can be solved by sending a dog after it, an adult should also be able to handle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, one last monster that we didn't mention, which is in the same thing as the baby. The robot. The robot toy. Oh, yeah, the robot. Yeah. Yeah. Did some damage oh, there, you too. Mean, you mean the thing that she wasted all of her bullets on? Yeah. Like, that was it, was, it was so... It was very weird. Because, okay, again, like, a problem a dog could solve. Like, with the gingerbread man. When they're attacking David Kegner's character, the uncle, and he's like, I get it. He's got an injured leg or whatever, but... At one point, they're just running at him. They don't have weapons anymore. And he still freaks out and, like, puts his hands up in, like, defense of these tiny, tiny... They're the size of cookies, and a dog can eat it in one bite. That dog ate fire, too, which was really strange. He, like, jumped up, ate fire, gingerbread, didn't even, like... A flaming gingerbread man. Yeah. It was... I just did it... I think that was also the thing is like it was like cutesy and gimmicky, obviously, to have this like analog or antithesis of Santa Claus that has his own like bag of toys and creatures and goodies that will attack you. That was all cutesy, but it was hard to gauge how scared you're supposed to be, like what the actual threat level is. Under I understand we're seeing these people die, but they're also not putting up much of a fight, in my opinion. Yeah. And it was interesting, too, that the fire was keeping Krampus out, but then the elves actually walked in, put that fire out in one second. They actually threw something in the fire, and that was it. And then Krampus was able to get in the house. Could have done that, like, the first... And Krampus has a power to control weather. That was one of those things I, again, I'm every year I catch something new. His, how powerful he was to controlling weather. It was, like, so cool that they were getting frostbite in, like, under four minutes, and that was a big thing that he mentioned when he came back. Something like that. You made it so cold outside. He's very powerful. Yeah. yeah. You'd think like a fire wouldn't be able to stop him. Now, that, now it's like if he's able to like control, him, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't. I mean, it might just be like those things where it's like, 
it's like one of the few protections that humans have almost like borderline magical the way like you you yeah you have to invite a vampire in adds to the fairy tale element yeah 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 um although it's also also just kind of whack that like it's not like any of the people like his grandma and and max neither of them summoned the the monster technically like they were just upset with their family and wanted like a better christmas and they summoned this monster which is like that's it's not even really like a wish at that point like you weren't wishing for this monster to come and answer anything you were if anything he was specifically talking to santa yeah krampus would actually be over at houses so often this would be like we'd be seeing families missing all the time it'd be like every christmas if that's the lore of this like, yeah, if you're just sick of your family at the holidays, like, <laughs> what a weird basis for this. And you have to tear up a letter and throw it out your window. So every kid that's not getting a PS5 this year would be got visited by Krampus. That poor kid. What a world. I, like, he was really putting all of his hopes on Santa to begin with. Honestly, he was always doomed. Yeah. Well, here's the thing now I'm thinking of. Did Krampus come visit because of the grandma having the kind of Krampus uh, looking in, like checking on her life and what's going on. Was, was he always kind of connected to his family and that's why he was summoned or was it because of the sadness of, of, of Max um, summoning him when he tore up the letter? Yeah. They kind of at different points imply it's both, don't they? Yeah. Cause she had the ornament that whole time to remind her of what's happening. So was it kind of, was Krampus really just saying to her, Oh, because your, your bloodline is all of a sudden uh, being, well, and also looking back to her her growing up, I felt really bad for her. Like her family seemed really, really poor. The whole town was fighting over one piece of bread, and then Krampus came and stole her family. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, again, it's like these people were like upset about like a small, minor, relatable thing, and then like the worst thing happened to them. It's just it's very it's very hard to understand like what the lesson is here. Like they were already miserable and then they were made more miserable. Yeah. Krampus is just a really evil monster that I don't think there, it it seems like there wasn't a lesson from him. I think he was just looking for someone to, you know, pick on this time around and collect or look into or stare into uh, his snow globe to see what they're doing. Yeah. I feel like if the the more you try to think about what the lesson might be, the more you start to kind of like, overanalyze and have less fun with it honestly yeah no that's true yeah um what uh joel how um, how much do you know about the lore behind krampus the mythology not too much honestly past this movie um yeah not too much past this movie just uh that it's evil santa claus but i I know there's definitely (laughs) more to it than that and i hope none of your listeners you know just don't like hit me in the comment sections and tell me that i'm so far wrong but not too much about that. No, you're good. I, I I looked it up. I got some stuff for you guys if if you, if you want to indulge me in the in the mythology section here. Nice. Um. So Krampus, the name is derived from the German word Krampen, which means claw. Um. But uh, he's kind of a legendary beast in a sense in like German, uh, more like kind of kind of wet, uh, like Central Eastern European mythology, kind of like pervasive in a lot of those cultures. So uh, um, 
specifically Germany. It's mo- mostly tied to German German uh, traditions. So Christmas celebrations in Germany begin in early December, and Krampus was, is sort of a counterpart to, to, to Santa or St. Nicholas for them. So St. Nicholas rewarded children with sweets. Krampus, in contrast, would, would then like kind of come after the wicked, quote-unquote, wicked children. Uh, he would swat them, stuff them in a sack, and then take them away to his lair, which sounds not fun. Um, but according to uh, to folklore, Krampus shows up in towns the night of December 5th, which in German is known as Krampusnacht or Krampus night. The next day, uh, December 6th, is uh, Nicholas Tog or St. Nicholas Day, when children look outside their door to see if uh, the shoe or the boot that they left is was filled with candy or stuff. Um, it's like kind of like those wooden clogs they put out. I, my grandma used to talk about doing that. She had a wooden clog, and, and we never actually practiced it, but I remember she like brought that up sometimes because uh, like my family was kind of like Dutch heritage, and so that was sort of that was uh, something in our her- uh, family a little bit too. But um, it's all kind of rooted in this like kind of like early December sort of like holiday traditions. Um, not quite Christmas as we know it in that sense. Um, but Krampus actually went away for a while because uh, like in world war two, like the Nazis weren't, di- didn't want, didn't want part of any part of Krampus for weirdly. They didn't want any part of that. Um, uh, it was sort of like kind of seen as like a negative thing. So it was kind of banned and, and, and talked out of pop culture, but it's, it's, it's since like kind of seen a resurgence and in like Austria, Germany, Hungary, Slovenia, and like Czech Republic area, they have these big festivals. Um, I'm trying to look at the word here. It's on online. I have it. It's um, uh, Krampuslauf or a Krampus run where they'll have like festivals on like December 5th to like have like this big fun run where everyone dresses in like horns and, and wears like Krampus outfits and just it's like it's like a, just a celebration of the concept of Krampus, which is a uh, sounds like it actually be kind of fun. I'd, I'd, I I'm might cool. be down to go for that. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Like I went to I went, we were in Paris for like one of the Christmas markets one year, which was so cool. But I almost feel like to counter that now I need to go to like Germany for like a Krampus festival. Yeah. Is, is it in like bigger parts of Germany or would I have to go to a very small town in Germany to go, go to that? Cause I definitely want to go to that once the world is not what it is, but um, great, great yeah, small or bigger places. Yeah. I, I got this, I got all this from a national geographic article, but I'm going to, I'm going to look up um, that specific thing and see where they take place. Krampus Uh It's a, okay. So traditional parades and events. Um, Krampus run around the Munich Christmas market. Oh, Munich Christmas market. There you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And then, and there's like people like there's images of people getting their picture taken with like horrifying, like horned creatures and stuff. That looks like a blast. Yeah. It sounds like a blast. Yeah. yeah we should do that. Once, once with things open up, we should do that. We should do a, we should do a Frankenstein's podcast remote episode from a Krampus Loft event. <laughs> Khalid, what do you say? Yeah. My ticket's already booked. Count me in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm inviting myself to that one too. That sounds amazing. Yes, yes, you can be part of that one. Um, yeah, but that's, that's kind of the. It's kind of like the. Um, it kind of rooted. It's actually it seems like it's rooted in like more pagan mythology that was sort of brought into some like some more modern settings because it's kind of. It seems like the sort of like goat aspect of it roots back to actually some like Roman or or uh, actually not even Roman. It's like, it's Norse mythology. Uh, it sounds kind of interesting. I'm going to all for those listening, I'll post this National Geographic article in the um, show notes so you guys can look at this, too. But it's pretty fascinating. There's some videos and a lot of information about it. But I don't, it's, a, it's a, I think it's such a cool like story or like myth myth that it's just like ripe for for movies to like like 
there are a ton of Krampus movies out there, but like this is kind of the only like really like big budget, not even that big budget, but kind of like mainstream one that's been made. Kind of surprises me that there isn't more. Yeah, I haven't checked out. Have you? Have you? Either of you checked out the other ones that are out there? No, uh, the only one that one I'm interested in is the one that's called a Christmas Horror Story that where William William Shatner plays a plays a radio host. That's what I want to see. I've heard that one's really good. Outside of that, the rest <laughs> of them don't look good. No, they don't look great. I, I haven't heard anything about Krampus movies besides this one. So I have a Krampus question for you both, um, based on this movie monster. Mm-hmm. Um, did you think that his face was a mask, or like I know, like obviously it's practical effects, it's a movie, but like as far as Krampus the monsters go, the monster goes, do you think that his face was a mask because of the way it didn't move? And that like the actual Krampus is underneath that mask. Cause it kind of oh, like in universe. Like, yeah. In the universe, not in the actual movie. Oh. Not me. Yeah. Cause I, I just took it as that's his face. Oh, that's his face. Okay. Cause when I was looking at it and the way it didn't move and everything like that way, it's always like left open. It looked like it was a mask on top of the monster. And that's why the eyes were so kind of goat. Like I could picture it looking more like a goat like thing. And then having that Santa looking Krampus face on top of it as a mask. That's sure a really either. cool idea, actually, Joel. I guess I, I thought I, it was more like that. a Rigamortis thing, almost. No, like, what if it's like, what if it's like a hideous ghost goat monster, but wears this sort of like, like contorted, like dark Santa Claus, like f- human esque face on top of what it actually is? That's, that's a, how I saw it. Yeah, that's really cool. <clears throat> I don't know. I saw it more so this time too around because of the elves. The elves have uh, masks on when they come in and they're, they seem like they're uh, mask creatures covered up uh, that way too. So I thought, Oh, maybe Krampus is too, but he has more of a, hu- like a human sort of mask as opposed to their, uh, I can't remember what their masks really look like now, but as opposed to their actual mask. So I, I just wondering that I was just going to ask you guys that. Yeah, their masks kind of reminded me of like the mask you see at like a the- like on top of like theater, you know, where it's like the sad and happy mask. Yeah, they reminded me of that. But yeah, that's a really great point. Joe. I don't know. Like, I kind of like that. That maybe Krampus doesn't actually look like that. Hmm. They're yeah, saving his real face for the sequel. Should make Krampus too. I heard there was a rumor, and maybe Joe, you know more about this. Or maybe Khalid, you know more about this. That they were hinting that there was they were going to do an Easter Bunny themed movie as well. That would be in keeping with, I think, this director, Mike Doherty, right? Because he also did Trick or Treat, the Halloween yeah. themed one, and if and he did a, a Christmas one, if he did an Easter one, like he's just the holiday horror guy. That I mean, that may be what he's going for. That'd be really cool because there was one throwaway line about that about a I, I can't remember which character said it now, but there was one throwaway line about an Easter Bunny in there, and then from there, I heard someone say it was a hint. I can't remember where so, someone on Facebook said that it was a hint towards another movie that Doherty was going to do, and I'm like. I would love to see that. Hmm. Yeah, that, that'd be kind of cool. We were, I was kind of scrambling. It's kind of a side story, but I was kind of scrambling uh, a couple weeks ago to try and be like, is there a monster Thanksgiving movie that we could do for Thanksgiving? I, I found one where there's like monster, like turkey head people, like monster, like mo- like mutant turkeys. But uh, I, I didn't think I figured out, found it in time for him to make a podcast <laughs> episode for Thanksgiving next year. Well, I'm excited to see that episode and also that movie. <laughs> yeah. Easter. I'm, I'm googling it right now. Mike Doherty, Easter monster. Uh, I don't know. I'm not seeing anything. Mm. Come on, Mike. Well, yeah, if he's, he's listening to this, do it, Mike. Yeah, Mike. What are you waiting for? Speaking of waiting for thing for things, Khalid. Uh, bears are are notoriously 
good waiters because they hibernate. Uh, does this movie pass the four bears test? Man, you really, you really clawed your way out of that one. I think that was a good one. That was a good, that was a good oh, segue. Man. Thanks, Joel. <laughs> yeah. You're, uh, you're, that was, that was sweaty. That was sweaty, Joe. <laughs> I thought it was great. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, first time hearing this, the four bears test is like a simple question. It's like, what if, what if the monster we're talking about was four bears? Is this still the same movie or not? Um, with this movie, no, because this monster had a lot of friends and magic, and it's, I'm pretty sure it's like its own kind of demigod in its own way because of ending with like the little snow globes full of people. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a straightforward fail. Um, I guess straight. Yeah, I don't even. I don't know that we know how strong it ever is because Krampus keeps using like toys and elves to do its bidding and doesn't actually really get his hands dirty. So you don't even know if it's as strong as four bears or not. So I'm forced to just give it a straight up F. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Yeah, good point. Good point. Do you so take so take Krampus by himself out of this movie Khalid. Okay. Dumb. Um <laughs> no what uh, like toys, the toys, his his minions, like okay. elves for example. Take the elves by themselves, no Krampus leading them. How about them as the forebears test? Again, you don't really get a metric of strength. Like it's kind of goes back to what I was talking to about like the only the only creatures you really see like doing anything that like takes effort are the, like the smaller toys, which are weaker than four bears. This might be the, like, I don't know. I mean, it's, maybe it's not the first time the monster has been weaker than four bears, but it's the first time it's been like this much weaker where I spent a lot of time wondering why these f- fully capable adults were like besting them more. <laughs> they, they were for a little bit, but it was almost like frustrating. Like when they were fighting the Jack in the box guy, I was like, just hit them with the ax, you know, like hit them harder. Like you could do it. Like they were waiting or like having, like waiting for quips. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Allison Tolman's mom. Yeah. The, yeah. the, uh, this, uh, Nic- uh, Tony Collette's sister, the, the aunt. Yeah. Would she, would she like literally that valuable second she wasted on a quip right before the monster. <laughs> when the, it's the jack-a-box monster slips right into the vet it was so frustrating this thing ate her child like it, it, does that mean nothing to her i, I still i still think you got to give some credit to the director though for like having the quip and then not having the monster wait for it though like that was almost part of the joke like oh they left it they made a quick quip but it didn't work you know yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like as a joke, like a visual joke, I get it. And it was, yeah. it was, it was well done. It was just annoying. I guess. It's still frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. The kids were pretty useless too. When uh, the gingerbread man was grabbing uh, the one kid up and pulling him up the, uh, the chimney kids just stood there the whole time. It reminded me of the movie Jurassic Park when the one girl was trying to hack and, and the other kids just standing there with his hands on his head. It, they were just completely useless that entire time. I mean, the kids were useless the whole movie, but thank you for bringing up the chimney scene because that is where I like really got to give all my props to Tony Collette, especially after what you said, Joe, about them not really knowing what these monsters are going to look like. That look of like sheer terror on her face the first time she sees the gingerbread man with like a bite taken out of its head dangling from the chain in the chimney, like. That was an Oscar moment in an otherwise like (laughs) 
and, and a movie that otherwise doesn't even come close to like sniffing Oscar contention. Like the, I just, the amount of like stuff that she was able to like register on her face going from like, what is that? Oh my God, that can't be. Oh my God, that is like, it just, that whole series played on her face in like a three second reaction shot. And it was followed up by her right after that, when she heard the Krampus story after she'd just seen that. And she was the only one with tears in her eyes because everyone else didn't believe it, but she'd just seen the gingerbread man. And again, that was another uh, good scene for her. I thought too, for Oscar worthy. Tony Collette bumps this whole movie up a whole, like an extra letter grade. I absolutely a hundred percent. Yeah. She is so good in every, I just need to, we just need to go watch her filmography like now. Yeah. I really recommend United States of Terra. It's, uh, it's on Hulu. Yeah. I think it's available on Hulu. It's, she plays a person who has like multiple personality disorder. Hmm. So it's like, she, it's a real acting showcase. It's, she was doing Orphan Black before it was cool, is what I'm saying. Very true. <laughs> I like it. She has I, bad I, luck with children in movies, I find, though. With she, this movie and uh, Sixth Sense and Hereditary, she has awful luck with children in movies. I mean, nobody's perfect, Joel. <laughs> if you are cast as Tony Collette's ch- uh, child in a movie, just know you're going to have a really bad time, though. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, and honestly, that's a, that's a fair price to pay. Yeah. I'm curious, Khalid... I wanted to ask you about the gingerbread man. You seemed to like the gingerbread man monsters, didn't you? I did. They they had a charm to them. They were really, I don't know. Anybody that enjoys their job is going to get a like thumbs up from me. You know, Nikki wanted to ask, wanted me to ask you. Uh, so Joel, I don't know if you know, Nikki's my wife, but, uh, and she's been on the podcast before, but she wanted me to ask you how, if, if you thought they were similar to the toadies, cause she kept thinking of toadies the whole time from babysitters guide to monster hunting. I think they're similar to Toadies, but because this movie was a little bit edgier in the horror department, not much more edgier, but it was edgier. I think that their antics played better. You know, uh, they they did just enough to distinguish themselves from being a straight up Minions ripoff like the aforementioned <laughs> Toadies is yeah. what I'm getting at. Because, you know, the Toadies are never going to shoot a nail gun at somebody's head trying to kill them. You know, yeah. they're going to they're going to they're going to do off brand minions shit. And that that I cannot condone. <laughs> yes, I like it. I like it. Where what was the nail gun for, by the way? Why was, was it in it, the kitchen? Yeah. Yeah. Why was it in the kitchen? What was it for? I don't know. Like a, It was like a, I, I don't I don't celebrate Christmas. Joel. I just assume like heavy hardware is used in some kind of ritual. Yeah. In the kitchen. Yeah, that's what we do. You guys and your holiday appropriate machinery. Yep. Speaking of machinery, Khalid, um, would you fight or would you flirt with Krampus? Why is that speaking of machinery? Yeah, take it, take it how you will. All right, I hate this. Uh, <laughs> I love it. I like that too. <laughs> um. I think that I would, I would flirt with him. I'll be honest. Uh, is it a him? I don't know. Maybe I should gender him so eagerly. Um, but I would flirt with Krampus because it's I don't know, like a lot, a lot for the same reasons that I liked the gingerbread man. I like the Krampus monster. Is that it seems to have a sense of humor about it all, and like has like a zany energy about them that I think at the very least, like if I could get over the 
horrifying circumstances that it's like surrounding i can enjoy like the the humorousness of it as like a survival tactic and 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 uh, that could be my way into like accepting this world and life so i would yeah so i would flirt with it with krampus because you can't fight it i think that this movie if nothing else made it very explicitly clear like there is nothing you could do to like uh, to avoid your fate with this monster. Yeah, there was no option of fight this thing whatsoever. Not it showed you that really quickly that they he could have grabbed them at any time, really. Yeah. So at that point, you gotta just find something you like about him and really turn on your charming like wiles. Would you fight or flirt with it? Are you talking to me? Yeah. You're bringing me into your thing. All right, uh, what? Just this once. Don't get used to it. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right. Um, I, I, I think, I think I'm with you. I think I would go with flirt. And I wonder, I wonder though, like in terms of flirting with this monster, like he obviously doesn't respond well to sympathy or empathy, right? Like that's what that's what Max tried. He's like, I'm sorry, you know, like trying to be like, I'm sorry for who you are. Basically, I'm sorry for the things I did. I, I take it back and all that stuff. That didn't work, right? He, he was, he's just, he just chuckled. He's just like, I don't know. What, what about him like responding in like kind of his own thing? Like, what if I had like toys that I just kept throwing at him? Maybe he might like that better. So I would try, I would try some other ta- tactics of like flirt, but I'd be kind of like a little more aggressive with my flirting with him because I think that's the way you get to him. Yeah, you would, you would uh, you would aggressively flirt. That's your I think, answer. I think I would aggressively flirt, Krampus. Yeah, I am so curious what that would look like, but I'll take it. I'm going to leave that to your imagination. Yeah, please, please do not ruin the mystique of this. I'm currently texting you a detailed description of what it's going to be, though. Oh, uh, jokes on you because I can't read. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh I, I this was fun. I like this movie. This is a good one to do. Yeah. 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 It's silly. It's kind of like goofy and but interesting. It, like I, a lot of things we talked about. I did not think this conversation was going to go there. I thought it was so funny at the end when all the monsters like leap at you. Like I think <laughs> I don't I it, because they were all just like CGI renders. It was just like so like cute almost <laughs> yeah yeah that's really when i just showed you it was a very poppy horror movie from like a, a last minute jump scare that okay I, I don't know who that would scare like yeah like i would just be like oh yeah <laughs> uh, it's good it's a it's a very unique movie when you think about it like because you because you're like like it it, it, it like bo- it's borderline that like kind of edgy indie like weird horror with like that ambiguous ending but like it also kind of has that poppy feel to it with like pretty mainstream comedians and like some poppy elements to it so it's a it's kind of a weird unique movie in that sense totally yeah i I think a christmas horror that you can make anyone watch it 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 doesn't have enough scares that i feel like it can this is one that anyone can watch even if you're not a horror fan you can definitely get into this and uh, find stuff that's relatable to it because it's really based on the same elements of, as other Christmas movies. So I think it works with everybody to watch. Agreed. And now that we have like the, the two kind of endings, like if someone responds poorly to one, you say, Oh, it's the other one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So everyone likes it. Uh, should we move on folks to our final segment? 
Let's do it. Let's do it. So our last segment, uh, for those of you listening, is our uh, What the Fandom segment, in which we kind of go around and share just things that we're into that we think you guys might dig or just things that we want to talk about. So, uh, Joel, we'll give you a moment to think. Um, Why don't we start with with Khalid? What the Fandom with you? Uh, Yeah, my fandom is uh, the Marvel comic book written by Saladin Ahmed. It's uh, Miles Morales' Spider-Man. I don't know. Have I done this before? I don't you think have, I have, but you can do it again. Oh, okay. Well, I've been getting back into it and it's still good. I won't, I won't bore y'all. If you've already heard my recommendations before, it's still the same stuff. That's dope about it. There's just something about this world. I think, okay, you know what? I'm going to pivot. It's actually the miles Morales Spider-Man game, which got me back into the comic book. So uh-huh. I'll recommend that. Cause uh, it's like a, it's not technically like a full game. It's basically an extension of, I think like the 2000, like, I think it's 2017 Spider-Man game. So that one was featuring Peter Parker and Miles Morales was like a supporting character in that game. And they kind of did a spinoff game, which isn't as long, but it adds a lot of new dimensions to it. It utilizes Miles Morales' powers, which are different than Spider-Man's powers. So that was super dope. And like playing that was so fun and getting back into that world made me want to reread the comic books and I just liked it so much. I had to recommend it twice, I guess. Cool. How about you, Joel? What the fandom with you? I'm really getting into more uh, South Korean movies that I keep seeing on Netflix. So most recently I saw the movie, the call, but I feel like 2020 I've watched a lot more uh, South Korean movies. Um, That's kind of my fandom is just that whole, everything that's happening from these young uh, South Korean uh, filmmakers I think the call, the director of it's 30 years, he was 30 years old. And this whole movie is one of the coolest twists on uh, time travel and uh, serial killers. It's, it's just a really cool movie. But outside of that, another movie I saw this year, that was another uh, South Korean movie, was called The Witch Subversion. And it's one of the greatest action movies I've ever seen. I loved it so much. So, yeah, I want them to keep doing whatever they're doing over there because they are putting out these amazing original movies when I feel like we're getting a lot of like remakes and uh, so on and so forth everywhere else. But like, yeah, really big fan of all the movies coming out of there recently. And we can find those on Netflix. Yeah. Um, the witch subversion is on Netflix. So is alive, which was another great zombie one and the call. They're all on Netflix. Cool. Oh, let's give those a shot. Um, so I think for me, my what the fandom i'm kind of like in between things right now a lot like i finished a book recently i've not currently like i fin- i'd finished lovecraft country i finished like a lot of shows i'm watching but uh my my one thing that i just started that i guess i'll plug um doesn't necessarily need plugging but i i started this the 11th book in the wheel of time series by robert jordan have you guys heard of that yeah yeah no. It's a uh, it's this epic fantasy uh, from a while ago. It's a it's older and and it's sort of um it's a novel series that sort of sort of defined a lot of the like fantasy tropes that we see now. It's like so if Tolkien defined a lot of the genre, um, Jordan sort of refined it in in a lot of ways, and so a lot of like tropes we see have come come from that in in a sense. So he's sort of like. Tr- transcended um took token tokens ideas and kind of played around with them in different ways and now some of the things that he did have become tropes so it's this like massively long i think it's a 14 book series and he wrote the first uh 
No, I'm sorry. I'm on the I'm on book twelve now. He he wrote the first eleven. I finished book eleven and I just started book twelve. Um, so he died after the eleventh book. Robert Jordan did, and Brandon Sanderson, who's another really prominent fantasy writer who's written a bunch of stuff that I really like too, took over and took the notes from Robert Jordan to finish the finish the book. It was supposed to be one last volume, but he had so many notes and so many thoughts and so many different things that he split it up into three books. The final final book is basically three books, and I'm I'm, I'm on that first chapter of that final three books so uh it's pretty epic like um i'm listening to an uh audiobook version but i i kind of like to do this thing once in a while where i like i have the physical book and i'll like read some chapters but then i'll like fast forward my audiobook and like listen to the audiobook version so if i'm really immersed in the book so i'm kind of doing that with that that series lately it's um there are definitely being a that that long of a book series there are definitely some slow parts but uh um, I, I really, I really dig it. It's got like like a lot of imagination and a lot of uh, a lot of spark to it, and, and it's actually going to be a series coming up soon too. They've been um, uh, announcing some cast for the, the the series. I think Amazon um, Amazon Prime's doing the series, and and Rosamund Pike is going to be one of the leads in it too. So it, it looks like it's got some heavy hitters with it. Should be fun. But that's my what the fandom then for this time. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to let you guys know. I'll report back when I finish it if it's good. I think it'll be. I like I like all the other ones so far. So, but um, I suppose yeah. I suppose we should wrap it up then. We're at the that time of the the podcast. Was, thank you so much, Joel, for for joining us. I feel like it's long overdue that we finally have you on the podcast. You're one of our first super fans. Yeah, and I honestly really really appreciate this. I've been talking about this nonstop about to to my friends about being on this podcast. I'm a really big fan. And like, and I mean, like bringing it up when no one asked me, they're like, Hey, like, how's it going? I'm like, I'm going to be on my favorite podcast soon. Like, okay. I guys keep it up. I really do uh, love to love all the movies you guys, you guys have been covering. If I haven't seen the movie, then I end up checking it out. So mm-hmm. yeah, just keep it up guys. Well, we'd love to have you back for sure. For sure. It'd be fun to have you back on for other things. I think, I think our, our interests align a lot. Um, is there anything else you want to plug before we go? Like any place people can find you on social media, whatnot? Yeah. Um, you can find uh, my Facebook page of West Coast Strange. Uh, I post horror-related, sci-fi-related memes, but also just really just weird stuff. Uh, it's it's a fun page that way. Tomorrow will be the one-year anniversary of that page. Uh, and my website, uh, West Coast Strange, www.westcoaststrange.com. And I'm also on Instagram under the same ni- uh, same title too. Awesome, Joel. Thanks. Thanks. Well, uh, yeah, anybody listening to this should definitely have already liked West Coast Strange. I think we plugged it before, but if you haven't already, go check that out on Facebook. Check out Joel's stuff at his website too, which I think, yeah, westcoaststrange.com. You said a whole bunch of cool stuff. The short films are there. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, next time, well, actually, before I say next time, folks, uh, I always forget to say this, but I'm, I'm starting to remember. Go to podcast places that you listen and give us five stars because that's just a nice thing to do. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everybody about Frankenstein Podcast because we got some got some great stuff here. All right. I think I said podcast weird. Did I say podcast weird? A little weird, like I, a little bit. I feel like I said podcast. It did, but I like that. All right, we'll we'll go with that. Tell your friends about the podcast, um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, thanks for that. Anyway, next time we actually have a really exciting episode coming up. Next, it's not going to be a traditional one. It's going to be uh, an interview episode with uh, with uh, somebody who's worked in the industry. So we're excited about that. Um, yeah, in, spoiler alert: that. it's the Grinch, and we ask him if he's black or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tune in for that. 
<laughs> yeah, it should be a fun one. Uh, so yeah, thank you guys for listening, and until next time, creep it easy.